Today's daf is daf nun. We are going to begin on nun omen base by the two dots. The line starts with lahadadi ain meitzin laachilas peris. The Mishnah said ain meitzin laachilas peris. The basedin does not um, put a lien on nechos meshubadim that had been sold to a third party for achilas peris for the consumption of produce. In other words, if a person appropriated a field and sold it. And the buyer now worked the land, he proved it, and he grew pro, uh, fruit on there. And then the owner came and took back his field together with the produce. So the buyer cannot collect the value of the produce on the property that the robber sold to another person. So the matter my time, what's the reason? Reason is, Ola says, this is because the produce is not written in the actual star. The obligation of a seller to reimburse the buyer the field he sells to him is repossessed by prior owner or creditor is dependent upon the obligation recorded in the star. So his, his chayvus of reimbursement with regard to the produce is therefore treated like a loan, like a milvahopeh, which is, which you know milvahopeh does not have a kill, and therefore you cannot collect the loan. There's no way to know about it at the time of the purchase. So But isn't the mozin of the woman and the bonis, the command dummy, even isn't it the when a person has to sustain his wife and daughter, is that considered as if they were written? Even though it doesn't expl- explicitly state it in the ksuba, it's as if it was written and a person is mukhuif. And yet what does the Mishnah say? Payment of the sustenance of a man's wife and daughters cannot be collected from the husband's Khasamushubadan. You can't say uh, it wasn't written. So Amrlais will have said to him, There, with regards to the sustenance of a man's wife and daughter, the Chacham instituted like this from the outset. It's considered as if it was written with regard to uh, unsold property that is still in a person's possession, so that sustenance can be collected from such property, but it's not considered as if it was written with regards to Nechasim Shubadan. Because the produce is not a fixed amount, it cannot be known at the outset how much produce would grow on the field or the value would be. So the Chacham instituted that any obligation that is not of a fixed amount cannot be collected from property sold to another property because the purchaser of the lien property cannot assess the risk he is assuming of having another person come to collect compensation from the property for the loss he has suffered. So now the Gemara asks, According, So in order to collect from the Chosim Shubadan, is it necessary that the obligation both be fixed amount and also be written? If so, this would be mashma that Rabbi adds another requirement in addition to that of or as long as it's Kotsuv, even if it's not Ksuvim, it's also fine. So the Mara says, Tashma, come, I'll bring a right. We learned, So now, if a, a person who died and left two daughters and a son, and the first daughter went ahead and took one tenth of her of the estate as her, as her dowry. As, as we know, the sons are obligated to sustain the father's daughters until they become mature, become engaged, and to give them part of the estate as a as a uh, dowry. As we know, daughters do not have inherit what the sons do. So now, what happened? The person died, and he had uh, two daughters and a son. And now, the first daughter went ahead and took ten percent of her dowry. 
and now the second daughter did not manage to collect a tenth of her estate of her dowry. Before the son died, therefore the entire estate fell to the two daughters, who then divided between themselves. And there's a machlekes as to how they divide the estate. Now, the second daughter forfeited her one tenth of the estate. Therefore, she cannot demand that she should first receive one tenth of the estate as her dowry, as did her sister, and that only afterwards they divide what remains of the estate equally between themselves. Did they not say that it's even more so? That didn't they say that even more so that if brothers sold off property belonging to his father's estate? Payment of the daughter's dowry can be taken from the buyer, but uh, uh, again, and, and you and a payment for sustenance cannot be taken away from him. The father's estate is leaned to the daughter's dowry so that she can collect her dowry even from a third party who bought the property from the sons. She should be able to collect it from her father's estate before it's divided up between the daughters. And you say that the second daughter forfeited her one tenth of the estate? So Mar draws now a, a maskana with regard to the question that was raised before. But Parnasa, but isn't the 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 dowry mentioned Rabbi Hanino? In other words, the dowry to which the orphan's daughter is entitled from her father's estate. So he says the Mikatz Kaitza, isn't it a fixed amount? And Mikhtav Leksivik. In other words, one tenth of the state, and it's not written. And nevertheless, according to Rabbi Hanina, can be uh, taken from the Chasim Shabbatan that has been sold to another party. So the Mara says, Shani Parnasa, the dowry is different. Even just the color, since it has a coil, command the Ksivi like written. Master of Hunda Barmaneach, Rabbi Hunda Barmaneach, asked the Shaila, Mesu, if the husband died. And their own daughters, even from the same woman, are sustained only from the unsold property of the state. Um, so the, is, the, Gemara, the Mishnah Ksubis continues. The stepdaughter is sustained even from lean property that has been sold to a third party. This is due to the fact that her legal status is like that of a creditor, and therefore she has the right to collect her debt from property formerly owned by her stepfather, her debtor. Now this is difficult according to both opinions, as the stepdaughter's sustenance is appropriated from the chasm shubadim that has been sold to another person, despite it neither being fixed nor written. So where it says, "Hakamayeskina," what are we talking about? Where the mother acquired the rights of the daughter's sustenance from his possession, where they performed an act of, uh, of acquisition, confirming the tonight. So it's considered as though the stipulation has been written and publicized, so the property of the two daughters is leaned for the stepdaughter's sustenance. The daughters as well. The as well should be entitled to collect their sustenance from the Chasim Shabbat when it's been sold to a third party. The Mish is referring to where the mother acquired the rights to sustenance on behalf of this one, in other words, the stepdaughter, but not did not acquire the rights to sustenance on behalf of the other daughters. So the mother asks, my Pascal, what's the reason of the decision of the Tana to record the Allah in a case where the mother acquired the right for the one but not for the other? Bas, you should have a Bashas Kinyan, Mani Lekinyan. With regard to the wife's daughter from her previous marriage, who was alive at the time of the act of acquisition, when he gave the mother her marriage contract, so the acquisition is effective to her. Bitei, with regard to his own daughter, the Leib Bashas Kinyan, who was not alive at the time of the Kinyan, Leib Mani Kinyan, Kinyan does not help. So the Mara now asks, We're not dealing with a case where both of them were alive at the time of the acquisition. And Veichidomi, and what are the circumstances? The Koshuhadi, the case where after she was married to him and had a daughter from him, he divorced her and later remarried. At the time, an act of acquisition was performed to confirm the tonight. 
as his own daughter was alive at the time. Why is this act of acquisition not effective for his own daughter's sustenance as that of the stepdaughter? So when it says alabito, rather the difference between them is as follows. With regards to his own daughter, from his state, uh, in regards to his daughter who eats, is in other words to sustain from the state based on the stipulation of the based in his daughter's rights to sustenance from her father's estate is in is uh, part of the ksuba so the king is no when it comes to his, to his wife's daughter the lava tonight based in kochlo which is not tonight based in mahani the king the king does help but is the right that is rooted in two sources both the tonight and the court and the acquisition less rather since it's the daughter eats based on the tonight based in we say that perhaps she already gave her money during the lifetime for sustenance. Since there's a suffix, she cannot recover sustenance from the Chosim Shabbat, even if an act of Kenya was performed to confirm the tonight. With regard to the stepdaughter, there is no concern that perhaps she already gave her the money while he was alive. Therefore, an act of Kenya was performed, she can collect her sustenance from the Chosim Shabbat that has been sold to another. Gemara continues its discussion with regards to collecting from the Chosim Shabbat that has been sold to a third party, Tashma. Rabbi Nassan, Rabbi Nassan says, Masai, when do we say that the Chosim Shabbatim and the buyer worked the land and enhanced the field he can get it? Is when the purchase of the second buyer, the party who purchased the property that rightfully belonged to the robber, preceded the enhancement made by the first buyer. But if the enhancement made first by the first buyer preceded the acquisition of the second buyer, then gave him the chasm shubadim. Then he can collect from the chasm shubadim. So apparently he can collect the increase in value because the enhancement did not precede the sale of the field. Not because the increase of the value is not a fixed amount or written in, in the shtars. Mason does not take away payment from the Chosim Shabbatim that has been sold to a third party for the consumption of the produce or for the enhancement value or of land or for sustenance of a man's wife and daughters. So it's clear that this price says that the criteria for collection from the Chosim that has been sold to a third party is basically a machlik is tonight. The Mishnah teaches if a person I made it to the one who finds a lost item and returns it to the rightful owner is not required to take an oath that he did not keep any other part of the lost for himself. And this was instituted for the betterment of the world. Now, Amizuk says that the owner of the lost item brings a claim against the finder, saying, You found two money pouches tied together that belong to me. The other person says, I found one pouch, and the finder takes a shua. Similar to anyone who admits mixes. Now, if you found two oxen tied together that belong to me, and the other person says no, there's only one ox. The finder is not required to take an oath. My time. Huh? What's the reason for the difference between the two cases? Why by he says snake by the case of kshur and matzasli, and he has the nishba and here not. Because it's. Um, oxen become detached from each other. So it's possible that when the oxen were lost, there had been two that were tied together, but afterwards they became separate and they found only found one. But when it comes to pouches, they don't become detached from each other. Since the fighter admits that he found one of them, it stands the reason that he actually found both of them. 
Yitzchak also said that the owner of the lost item says to another, that you found two oxen. The other person says, I found two oxen, but I already returned one of them to you. So, how is it? So the Gemara could the question could be Rabbi Yitzchak lest that mitzvah mitzia leishom nitzia leilam why doesn't he hold the mitzvah mitzia? So the Gemara answers and says who the Amar Kriv Yaakov the Lazer Yaakov the Tanya of Lazer Yaakov Emer Pum Shadam Nishbal Tanis Atzmei he says that there are times when a person takes an oath on his own claim. Person, uh, person says, 100 dinners of your deceased father was in my possession, as I had borrowed the sum from him, and I already paid him a price. Since the finder says that he found only half of what the owner claims was lost, he's treated like somebody who admits the part of the claim and therefore takes an oath. Does he not hold that somebody returns the lost item as putter? So Marav, he says, we're talking about the creditor died, leaving a child as a Yerusha, and this minor confronts the bar and claims a hundred dinners from him. The other admits to having borrowed the money, but claims that he already repaid half. Since he admits the part of it, he takes an oath that he did not re- did repay the other half. Mor says, caught them by a case of a minor meeting the Shoshri's babe. Did he learn? The, does he have any assistance? One does not take an oath on the time of Cheshit of Katan. Really, he's an adult, but with regard to the father's affairs, he's like a man. He doesn't know with certainly how much money he borrowed, the borrower repaid, but merely says that he thinks that he owes his father more. The claim of others because it's his own admission that obligates him to take a shua. Where objects, all claims that lead to the oath of one who admits the part of the claim are also. A combination of the claim of others that defend that, uh, the, that uh, and the defendant's own admission. Hello, Bidrabi can be fixed. I'm a rabbin. My mom returned me the mixes of Tanisha. Why does mix me the mixes swear? Because because in the mayor's pun of Nebachevi. As he says, Rabbi can say, he's why we cool a boy the Michpreli, but I'd like coverage from the mayor's pun of Nebachevi. One who had missed a part of the claim would want to deny all of them. The only reason he does not deny is because the person would not have to be so brazen before a creditor. So again, this one who has missed a part of the claim really wants to deny everything. And the only reason why he does not deny it is because a person will not be so brazen before his creditor. And in fact, he would want to admit all the claim to him. And the reason that he does not admit the whole claim to him and say that in fact he owes him the entire sum is that he was evading his obligation temporarily and the guy is short of money and he thinks... I'll pay my creditor as much as I can afford now, and I will evade paying the rest until I have enough money, and I will repay him to the rest of him. Therefore, the terrorist says, impose a shua on him in order to induce him to admit to all of the chayv to the creditor. Now, Rabbi Lazar ben Yankov, there's no difference between the creditor himself and the creditor's son, as in all cases. He won't lie to him, but he'll lie to his son. Since he was not brazen, he's considered like somebody who's being made shavavidah.